0: Welcome back, everyone, to our next lesson as a continuation of the series of Habits of a Loving Soul. This week is the second half to our discussion regarding selfless love and self-love for those of us as Christians who take the Bible as the only true source of guidance for our lives. If you didn't get a chance to listen to my last lesson, I would ask that you go now and study with me for a discussion of self-love before continuing on this journey onward to selfless love. I'll give you a moment to pause this and go ahead and go back and listen to that lesson. If you remember last week, I wanted us to look at where self-love and selfless love are not mutually exclusive, or where they might connect or overlap. Today's topic is the second side of of those two. Which I originally did not intend to treat them separately with two lessons, but that is how it happened. I didn't mean to cover them separately, but together, because I believe there is a point where these two concepts meet. Let's get started with selfless love, and then I'll conclude with the discussion with discussing the place where these two might meet. For those that are born anew Christians we're aware of a prime example of selfless love. Do you know who I'm thinking of? I'll give you some time to discuss it and um or think of, you know, who I am thinking of. And I'll continue in a moment. Okay. Do you have who you're, th- who you're thinking of? is an example of selfless love? I'll give you a hint. The example I'm thinking of is found in John chapter 3 verse 16. If you have this scripture memorized, say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall shall not perish, but have eternal life. This scripture is saying that God loved the whole world that he gave his only son so that the entirety of the world might have eternal life in heaven with him. Now, if you're thinking of Christ as the ultimate example of selflessness rather than God, I would also agree with you. It's not really a race of selflessness between God and Christ, but we should definitely include Christ into this picture of selflessness since he chose to follow God's will instead of his own by giving up his body and blood for our sins. So, these are great examples and that's all hunky-dory, but what about us? Where do we fit in this picture? Let's turn that focus back onto who is leaning, sorry, who is learning here and how each of us a Christ believer, are supposed to follow God's and Christ's example of selfless love. Are we to be like Isaac and try to sacrifice our only son for those of us that even have one to follow God? Can you imagine you know, people trying to sacrifice their only son? No, because he didn't tell us to do that. And that example can only be fulfilled by only even a subset of the entire population. He told Isaac to follow through with his will, and then it even stopped him from doing this deed, um, as we're told in, the, in Scripture. What about getting crucified on the cross in the case of Christ? Are we going to start finding trees, making a cross for ourselves, and start riding donkeys and wearing crowns of thorns? I don't think so. You see, some people try and wear a cross outwardly for that very fact, to remember the sacrifice that Christ gave up his life for each of us. But we should not literally follow in Christ's footsteps, because then we would have a lot of people trying to be killed and raised from the dead on the third day in a tomb. They'll be pretty They will not be um, so I guess appreciative when they don't raise from the dead on on the third day, huh? There are some people to take Luke chapter nine, verse twenty three, literally where Christ states and if he was saying and he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, if you've been living recently, I do not see many people taking huge crosses of wood and dragging them around down the streets and through the grocery stores, probably wearing masks just to be safe, as well. It's kind of a funny picture to imagine, huh? So, how are we to model ourselves and point our lives towards Christ, and how are we to take up our crosses? God once again gives us instructions in His Word. If you will read with me from Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 5, we're told to have the same mindset. Let's begin. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, we' have looked at this chapter of scripture before with regards to the concept of loving yourself, sorry loving your neighbor as yourself, but here we are told that we are to have the same attitude as Christ. Later in this chapter, Paul also describes more details regarding how our attitudes should be when we are serving. But I want to look at this picture again of selfless love. We are to selflessly love others out of humble obedience of God. We see in that we see this in verse 8. That we are to become humble choosing God's will. This was Christ's sacrifice that we see on the cross. He chose to selflessly love God by obeying God's will more than his own. At this point, I want to switch gears to the application of this concept of humble service. When serving others, have you ever had a friend want you to do something that you might not want to do? Or even a parent, or even somebody else that is, let's say, an adult if you're a kid. Now, I'm not meaning, you know, taking out the trash or um, doing something that they asked you to do already um, or chores, but I want to consider this concept. How about this? Have you ever had one of your parents ask and ask you, That if one of your friends jumped off a bridge, or jumped out of a plane, or jumped off the roof of the house, would you? I know that's a lot of jumping, but there is a good point to learn from this question. Just because someone else did it, doesn't mean that we have to. You see, the concept of application I want us to consider is this. How should we not give more of ourselves to others than to God? <clears throat> Regarding selfless love, I will ask a question that our brother Jack Beerus thought of, at the very first class we had. He asked, "If we are able to express love toward him," en- he asked, "If we are able to express love toward another." without first having love for ourselves? I would say no, because where would the love come from? What would that love even look like? And is that even godly love? I would say not. Let's look at two scriptures that identify where love for others come from. I'll start with 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, and for all people, just as we also do for you. Some translations states this term abound to be overflow or overflowing. The next example is in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, which is before um, our prior scripture in chapter 2, where we are to have the same mindset as Jesus. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, this abundance of love that is supposed to overflow is to be used for those that are around us. That is how others will see God in our lives and how they will know we are Christians by our love. Now that we've covered the fact that we have to have love first for ourselves before we can love another, we have to also understand that this overflow of love can fluctuate, or in other terms, change. Through life, we can have a gushing fountain of love where we can express love to others greatly, or at some points we can also have a dripping faucet. I want to make this point that when when in godly service, service we should keep stock of how we are taking care of ourselves, it's kind of like a self-check, not for self-preservation, but to remain equipped and able to serve others. Our sister Karina Ashurst um, has told me on several occasions the following, You are no good to someone else if you aren't good yourself. She was meaning that we should not overcommit ourselves or if we need to take periods of rest to prepare ourselves for further godly work. I came across a cro- a quote that illustrates this as well, and it states that you are not required to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Regardless of our condition as Christians, we are first to serve God and if we are trying to overcommit ourselves or perhaps not realizing that we need a break we're not giving what we can to God and we're doing an injustice to those that we're trying to serve I want to wrap up by saying this we should practice self-love so that we can have a greater self I hope you've enjoyed this and I have been praying for each of you and I just hope that you continue to listen to these lessons and please send feedback or questions and comments um, as well. Thank you.